This episode of The Front Lounge is brought to you by our brand new song, Everything Must Go. Go listen to it on Apple, Spotify, wherever you find that, and check out the brand new music video on YouTube. Hello and welcome back to The Front Lounge, the podcast where the band Congos, who is us, uh, talks about all sorts of stuff. First, a few announcements. Um, we've started a Patreon page to help fund this podcast. And you may have noticed an annoying ad up at the front of this. If you want to not hear that, you can go to our Patreon page and pay $2 a month to be ad-free. Um, and then also it'll help us pay for you know, the all thing the mics is, Jesse spits on. <laughs> the thing is, you know, we've got server costs, we've got all this and that. We've got Colton also, and we uh, it's part of his contract to feed him crackers while we do uh, the front lounge. <laughs> Very expensive crackers. Yeah. So we need at least like five of you to do Caviar. this $2 a month thing. So that we can pay for Colton's crackers and keep this podcast running smoothly. But also, we're going to expand it eventually, so it won't just be uh, ad-freeness. You know, it'll keep going. Yeah, we're just getting it started. Eventually, I think we can see using it for exclusive content and kind of uh, sneak peeks and early access to things. But we'll roll that out as we figure that out. Limited merch runs and all. I think we should call it Patreon. Also, it makes it sound very official. Yeah, if we want to be patronizing. Head to patreon.com slash congos, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash congos, and help the podcast out. All right, anyway, so this is Bus Call Premiere Week. It comes out Thursday at a certain time. We haven't decided that yet, but we want to try and make it like NBC must-see TV on Thursday. So we're going to be premiering each episode at a specific time, which obviously we'll be posting about in the socials and all that. But this is a really exciting week for us because this has been two years at least. Three. Well, yeah, three years of recording and that uh, of videotaping and all that. But I think two years we've been actually actively editing, writing, and doing the hard work of this. And for the last year, it's been pretty intense. Yeah, it's it, the fact that it features so many new songs. The first episode alone has, I think, two new songs. Um, and these these songs won't actually come out right away necessarily. Some of them will on Spotify and all that, but some of them will only be in bus call until a later date when the actual recording is released. But it's it's more it's we bit off more than we could chew as usual. You know, this project it's eight episodes, thirty minutes each, approximately. You know, between twenty and thirty minutes, and uh, it's about our lives, and it's very very rewarding to see it all together, and also exhausting to have gone through the process of making it. <laughs> Yeah, the idea for Buscall started 2014 when we thought we were worthy of a reality show um, and then threw that idea around and came to the conclusion that we probably weren't and then we thought maybe we can do a cooking show or some travel show when we're on the road and go into restaurants and bars and we thought we're not, that's really not that interesting. We can't do it as well as, you know, Weird Foods or Anthony Bourdain or anything like that. So we said... Let's do this a tour tour of life, and uh, we just started we just started telling our videographers to keep the cameras rolling throughout the tour and capture everything they could. I think what we thought was perhaps our uh, slightly different angle on it was that we're in a middle sized band area. You know, everyone's seen the massive band documentaries of U two or whatever flying around on private jets and 
all that sort of thing. And then you've also, everyone knows people, their friends, cousins, brothers that are in bands, t- touring around the country in a van, you know, sleeping on a couches and all that but we were in this middle place where i think a lot of people thought we were at the u2 level and they probably picture us on jets and like getting off the bus with bottles of champagne uh but we're somewhere in that middle place and we wanted to try and accurately portray what it's like being where we're at i've said this before but i think the showtime show roadies was massively inspirational in this show in that we on the bus watched an episode with our crew and it was so inaccurate and so silly and so not like tour life that we thought, hey, we could actually, we could show what tour life is really like. And we've shown uh, rough edits to a bunch of people in the industry, you know, touring professionals and other bands. And we've gotten very good responses. I'm I'm happy with how some other musicians have watched it and been like, holy shit, <laughs> that you guys nailed it. That's what it's like. So Yeah, you can always tell, we, go, we had a inaccurate perception i think of what jokes are gonna hit and what connects with people because we'd show it to touring professionals and they'd find all the little things that we found funny so we're interested to see what people who don't travel on the road think about that you know because some of them are fairly inside jokes that hopefully come across well our crew definitely endorses the show (laughs) they they can attest to saying and that it is exactly how it happened (laughs) yeah colton can we get an on camera testimonial saying Everything you see was real. It's all true. (laughs) Still don't know what bus call means. (laughs) Well, next episode, uh, we'll explain it to you. Um, What What we're going to be doing with this podcast, by the way, to, to make sure you keep tuning in is the week after each episode goes, we're going to do a kind of spoiler filled wrap up of, of that show and talk about it and kind of, answer any questions that might have come up on social media of what people are missing uh if of you know what they didn't what they got questions about from that previous episode and get into the details a little more so make sure you tune in each week to hear us talk about the previous week's episode right and don't listen to the podcast before watching the episode yeah we will put a big spoiler alert on it so thursday this thursday which is what's the date september 13th Look out for it. It's going to be on YouTube. And uh, later, once once it's all out on YouTube, some other streaming services as well. But we want everyone to go on YouTube and subscribe and follow us there because it's our most direct way, I think, to communicate with a lot of fans is through the video platform uh, that everybody fucking knows. And you can also watch it on your Apple TV, any anywhere you can put the YouTube app. That's one thing that I didn't think about is that, you know, I'm kind of used to going on Apple TV and just, if I want to watch a YouTube video, you can go on there and watch it on your real TV. Um, but some people don't know that. So you can watch it on a real TV through uh, it. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you're going to watch this thing because if you're listening to this, you want to get to know us or hear what we have to say. And bus call is by far the most best way to get to know us because we didn't always want the camera to be there. So that means you get to see what we're really like. <laughs> And just an aside, we've we've done Spanish and Portuguese subtitles for this. So if anyone's listening in Brazil or South America, Mexico, uh, you'll be able to understand Spain. what we're saying. And if you speak English, we have English subtitles for when Mick is talking because it's impossible to understand. Yeah, him. those are the Scottish subtitles are hard coded. Um, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, nobody understands. <laughs> but for the people in Scotland. You know, everybody else. I, I remember we saw a, a festival, a film festival movie, probably 10, 15 years ago. There was a Scottish movie, 
and they put subtitles because it was so foreign, basically, you know, to non-Scottish speaking people. Yeah. In fact, I think that movie was set where basically where Mick is from, you know, the east part of Glasgow or something, and it was just unintelligible to anybody. And well, luckily, we had the the transcript. Um, and the English subtitles for the people to translate into Spanish and Portuguese because I cannot imagine them getting anything that Mick says right because Colton did the English subtitles and he got like half of what Mick said wrong. <laughs> he, he had to call. He had to call me in and say, "What? What is he fucking saying here?" That was. Our, we started editing this and then we brought on Logan Hall and Sarah Hall. Um, they're like the dynamic uh, husband-wife editing team, duo team, and they eventually that was our main role. Once they were really got the feel of going down, it was like it was a, what did Mick say? Can somebody <laughs> come in here and tell me what Mick said? We were like, why did you cut that scene with Mick in it? It was all about, oh, they, they didn't know what he said. They thought it was irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, we'll talk more about it next week, uh, you know, after it's aired and, and excited to see what you guys think of it. So why don't we play now? There's a track in this first episode uh, called Animal. Is that, what it's, is that the working title? Yeah, it's called Animal. It's actually not finished, but um, we're using a demo of it in Bus Call. And uh, we thought maybe a cool way to drive people to this podcast was occasionally play stuff that, you know, this is the only place that you can hear it. So here is an instrumental part of the end of the song. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of a very tribal Congos thing, and I'm actually excited to play it live on tour next year. music only section here we'll talk about uh, video um, it's the everything must go video if you haven't seen it go check it out it's a very simple video that was shot on like a gimbal in our studio we wanted to just capture number one we just like our new studio and we like all the carpets on the walls and we just wanted to show that off so then we got Logan to just film it and just to show the parts because there's a thing about seeing music you hear the parts and we can't help it you know when it cuts to the guitar I hear the guitar more when it cuts to the the keyboard, you hear the keyboard more. So we just figured this is a good way for people to listen to the song in a kind of visual way. Well, I noticed even on the comments on YouTube, and I've gone and checked a couple out and seeing the response on like the lyric video versus the music video, uh, people are hearing it better, obviously, uh, because now they're commenting on parts and going, oh, I kind of get this now, which I didn't get from the lyric video. So that's always good to do. And we're going to do a lot more of these types of videos of just simple in a studio or in a simple setting because the idea of music videos actually is preposterous. But most of them are very silly. Uh, occasionally, I mean... The, Many of ours included. <laughs> you can't... Like, there's a few iconic music videos like the original Jamiroquai video 
uh, uh, virtual insanity. Yeah, that's you know that's not silly. That's amazing. That's. I feel like there's also certain genres of music or certain artists where it's much more part of the whole picture. Whereas, particularly with like alt rock bands or rock bands in general, it just seems like this very weird thing that yeah, they because do. you're pretending to play the song. Yeah, we should post that link of is it Noel or Liam? Noel Gallagher Noel narrates, Gallagher his, yeah. narrates his uh, own music videos where yeah, he talks yeah. about music. He's like, music videos are the fucking stupidest things in the world. Here's another fucking stupid one from us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great! I great idea from the. I can't do a fucking whatever. Where is he from? <laughs> Liverpool. Well, this is what this Manchester. is probably our third or fourth. You know, other than Logan's fee, this is a. Dirt cheap music video. No look, no location fee. Yeah, I've got to say it was the easiest and most fun to shoot. No we, wardrobe fee. It was eight hours start to finish. We shot yeah. it. Danny edited it. We came in, made a couple group decisions about cut here, cut there. He fixed the color and we put it out. It was. I, I think really I wore fun. the same shirt as the Come With Me Now video. You did. Ashley pointed it out. She's like, yeah. why is Jesse wearing the same shirt as the Come With Me Now video? Hey, it worked in the Come With Me Now video. <laughs> yeah, we're just trying to get 100 million views again. Yeah. Um, well, I actually, think, uh, back to that, to, to hearing the sound when you see it, you know, it's something we take for granted in the studio because sitting with these songs and working on them and mixing them and you, you kind of solo out stuff and you hear exactly, you know exactly what's there, you know. There could be 10 or 12 elements at any one time and you can hear them because you've had them uh, isolated and you can kind of hear them in your head. And then when you actually close your eyes and listen to a mix, a lot of times you realize, oh, I can't actually hear it. So seeing it happen, you know, helps in the mixing process and you can you can see all the little details that you put into the recording um, and perhaps point them out to the listener who might not just hear it on first listen. Yeah, I think it's also why a good lighting guy at a show is so helpful also. Yeah, when a guy like, like Tyler that we've had out for well, on the last two runs with us, he knows the music so well that he's able to highlight things for the audience to be able to hear better what's going on. Because particularly in a live thing, it's so loud most of the time that all you're hearing is this rumble of guitars and drums. But with the right highlights, you can hear a little keyboard or vocal part or whatever. Hey, just quickly, Dan, that gimbal we used, yeah, that's pretty freaking amazing because it just feels like five years ago that would have been a $100,000 Steadicam. And now you bought a thing. Well, I mean, I don't know what when these kind of things came out, but for the Take It From Me video, uh, we bought a big type of gimbal and returned it because we if our, the camera was too heavy to use on it but yeah it was like three times three or four times the price and now you can get this 600 hundred dollar thing which can hold a an slr and keeps it all stable it feels like the future yeah so a gimbal is kind of like a steady cam is there a gyroscope in it or yeah there's multiple it's kind of electronically stabilized you know on each axis uh you just balance it uh, and then uh yeah it controls it and keeps it all stable so when Logan was shooting this, he's kind of slowly moving around the room and you would see him do these swings where he swung the camera around really fast, but the, the, the actual camera sort of moved on a lag and it gave it this nice smooth panning motion. So Logan, you're, you're good, but you know, part of it was the gimbal, you know, <laughs> got to give some credit to that. Yeah, you, um, can still, you still stabilize it uh, afterwards digitally as well. Um, what's the name of that one? Ronin. Ronan S. Ronan S. Okay. I remember hearing uh, on the Christopher Nolan's second Batman, there wasn't a single shot that wasn't digitally stabilized in the entire movie. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. 
Can you imagine the frustrated people just staring at screens, seeing four percent? Yeah, yeah. It's also they 5%. do it properly too. You know, where they they have to deal with, you know, if you've got a wide lens, it's very difficult and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you go watch movies from the seventies and you see all their crane shots and they kind of like wobble around and that doesn't exist anymore. You know? Yeah. On your phone and everything has it built in automatically. So you notice that when you're filming something on your iPhone, you can see all these jitters and bumps. And then you watch it back and you look at, oh, I'm a pro. Look how steady I held it. <laughs> it's because your phone is stabilizing it instantaneously. Uh, why, what puts Make that the gear of the week, that Ronin um, gimbal. Yeah, and oh, we just killed the whole segment. Nice. I like that, yeah. I like it when we, we finish the segment before we even get to it. <laughs> <laughs> Music. Business. Um, we thought we'd talk about stuff that's kind of featured in the first episode. What, you know, one of the things that comes up is, you know, what are we going to get booked for and festivals? And, you know, we it's we kind of take a look at our career and the trajectory of it. But it, it made me think of, of how you get an offer. You know, you say you get an offer for a music festival. There's something called a radius clause very often. You know, not just festivals, but any offer might have a radius clause where if they offer you a certain amount to play at this venue on this date, there'll, there'll be a clause in the contract very often that says you can't play anywhere within 50 or 100 miles for two months either side or one month either side. It's called a radius clause. And it's, you know, for the most part, it's it's for a legitimate reason. You know, if, if they're going to pay you to play, they need you to uh, dedicate your promotion and your draw to that area. Otherwise, if you go play next door two days before, you, they get fucked on, you know, on, on the draw of the crowd. Uh, but sometimes it goes a little far. You know, we've done shows where you can't play within... 90 days within 300 miles and like that's like half the fucking country you know i wonder if one day there's going to be intergalactic radius clauses on concerts <laughs> cannot play on the internet on this day <laughs> i know that i don't know the details of it but the coachella one is meant to be pretty crazy like it's, it extends almost as far as portland or something and a, I think a bunch of bands and or other promoters from Portland. Yeah, must really hate Portland. <laughs> I think that's why we, we've never gotten an offer is because they knew we were rehearsing in our studio, which is like a few miles away, and they just <laughs> they just couldn't risk it. Yeah. <laughs> no I, got the, I got the right pair of jeans. I think we're getting an offer next year. <laughs> remember when we played in DG and DG? I remember it. Because we watched the video of it the other day, it's in episode one, one of the one of the clips. Yeah, I just remember that being a very um, uplifting night, which was followed by like downhill trajectory of a career. Because the fir- it was the first show we ever played, and like the first show, of, first shows you ever play, you can always get your friends and family out. So we must have had like eighty, ninety people out at our first gig, and it was packed. And it was this little uh, coffee shop. 2003. 2003, yeah. One of the guys opening, uh, or it wasn't even opening. There was no opening or closing. It was just kind of people playing at a coffee shop. But one of the guys had five keyboards. I think it was called five keyboards. Yeah, one guy, five keyboards. One guy, five keyboards. And he he had pre-programmed solos, which he would then comp for. So on one of the keyboards, he had a pre-programmed solo and like a cheesy 80s synth sound and then he was just playing the chords on the other <laughs> yeah. on the other keyboard but then yeah after that we, we had so many people out of this show and then then I the could, next show i think we got like five people out because everyone's like okay we've done our duty we've gone to our friends show yeah, <laughs> yeah. And if you watch the episode you'll see a little clip of that and we were playing with uh rob fix who's a friend of ours who played bass with us for what a, about a year maybe yeah first year or two of us of 
of us being a band, um, Dylan and Danny were both both playing guitar, and uh, so this guy Rob, a friend of ours from ASU, was playing bass, and uh, then it got to the point he was moving, I think, and we decided let's you know just make it the four brothers, and Dylan learned to play bass because he drew the short straw with the long fingers. Well, initially we we programmed the bass parts. You know, we had a, yeah. Before you picked up the yeah, bass, a MIDI yeah. bass playing, so we'd play along with the track. Then I would still play guitar. It was still in resistance. Yeah, it never sounded mode. quite as good once you picked up the real bass. It just everything settled and started sounding a lot more like a band, a band, and yeah. rock and roll. I remember also that was around the time we recorded our first EP, which probably fifty pe- people in the entire universe have, and uh, we got our first radio play on AM radio. A friend of mine was. Um, and her dad had a radio station or a program on an AM station, and we got them to play our demos. And I remember the first song that I had was called Fortuna. Remember? And they, <laughs> the Fortuna. first thing they play it, and they end it, and the dad makes fun of the title. That was like our introduction <laughs> to yeah. to uh, getting played on the radio. Uh, what like, did he say? He's like, Fortuna? What about for dolphins? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. And it was like, well, if you say it like Fortuna instead of Fortuna, you know, like good, f- it's it. it was a stupid I, song. I stand by his <laughs> his comment. It's not a great title. <laughs> hey, it was a stupid song, but I, I think I've got another. Um, I'm reusing or recycling one of the melodies from that. I think in a new song. So yeah, um, I remember that EP because we printed and pressed and did all the artwork and stuff ourselves. I think we maybe did 100 or 200 copies, and most of them probably didn't even get sold. They were just, like, mailed to friends and family around the world. Yeah, we uh, say printed. You mean we literally did everything, like printed the folder sleeve for the CD, yeah. cut it out, folded it in half. With an exacto knife. In. It took days and days to make 100 of those. All this effort so that 12 people could hear our unprofessional recordings you know right now i could we could put our unprofessional recordings with a click of a button and the world could hear it so i think it was probably a good thing that it was limited the <laughs> what you could get out there another scene that stands out that you'll see in this first episode is um we had just gotten back from south africa or we were on our way there in 2012 things had really taken off for us we'd playing all these amazing shows to thousands of people and then there's a clip of us in Fargo with Mo trying to count up how many CDs we'd sold over the past five days. And <laughs> I won't give it away, but let's just say you only needed one hand. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't really have to excel in mathematics to figure that out. <laughs> All right, so we'll skip on to the next section. It's not deep thoughts this week. We're doing deep sauce because we've got no philosophy to discuss. But we did just have a hang at our studio here, which we're going to be doing a lot more of in Hollywood, California. And uh, we made pizza. Which well, we got a grill, which you can put pizza stones on. And this is, now we have an excuse to have a hang here. Um, we're big into cooking and making pizza these days. And at our parents' house in South Africa, they actually have a brick oven. So that's, you get like the real experience. And that was very, that spoiled us. So now we're trying to recreate it. Um, with a with a barbecue and so explain you get these modular pizza stones. I found these things on have, Amazon. Have you heard of it? Um, <laughs> it's a web store, and yeah, you can basically uh, make your pizza stone as big as you want because they're like a, a six by nine inch uh, little pizza stones, and you just put them together. So uh, we can fill the grill with pizza stone, 
so we can do multiple pizzas there. It's pretty. It gets pretty, pretty damn hot yeah. too. It gets like to seven hundred degrees, I think. Mm. And we can fit three large. hundred degrees short. Like Sixteen <laughs> inch pizzas on there. Yeah. And then the big thing we've been doing these, I think they've finally really gotten to the point now where they're pretty pro. And the big difference for the dough, because Danny makes the dough, was you got this doppio zero, right? Or yeah, changed our lives. I feel like people we've been hearing from our Italian friends in South Africa, you got to get double zero. Uh, flour finally got some and what is it explain what does that mean no idea is it the I, fineness partially i think so yeah it's a different wheat they use and it's a different fineness it's a di- like the i think it's the wheat they grow for a kind of gluten but you've also been texture. using a different yeast right oh yeah i mean it, i i don't know if this really makes a difference but for those of you who make dough i would use uh, try a don't use instant yeast use the one you have to activate it doesn't smell as funny it doesn't yeah Double O flour. It's a secret ingredient. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I haven't had a better pizza in L.A. Well, I'd say there's. It's not saying much. It's hard to find good pizza. There, it is here, but it's. Oh, it's a bit like I think it's also you get to choose exactly what you put on it. That's half of. It's not just that. I think. Uh, I think we're just better. I think I think they're <laughs> just better pizzas. I think eventually. How many pizzas you know, did we make that night? On I think we calculated we made thirty pizzas. <laughs> it was crazy, mm-hmm. and we finished all of them. And right. in fact, we there were other people there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it wasn't just <laughs> us. But one of the people that was there, you remember from our podcast a couple episodes ago, or I guess it's been a while, is uh, Christian Rolick, the uh, barman from Luke and AOC. And I think we might have convinced him for our next one that we do next month to bring a, a drink to make a he, punch. Yeah, yeah. He's very opposed to. He just likes to drink beer and whiskey when he's not working, but I think we tricked him. I can totally pizza. understand that because when you go to one of his bars, he, I mean, he's the head barman, but he still works fucking hard. He's juicing grapefruits for 18 well, hours it's a day. Well, kind of like we, we, you know, we have this pizza party. Imagine people coming over and being like, hey, play us a song. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I've got a guitar. You know, sing for your supper. <laughs> All right. Um, well, let's wrap this one up. Oh, can we talk short? about? Oh, sorry. S- we didn't talk about any of the sauces. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. deep I mean, sauce. Deep sauce. We're gonna call it a, deep sauce. Let's have a, an opinion off on sauces. Personally, the pizza sauce. Yeah, I like to do the onions separately. That's my. I, I personally eat. wouldn't put onions in a pizza sauce. I chop them very small, and then I pretty much caramelize them because oftentimes the tomatoes are not the sweet fresh tomatoes. Yeah, they're not sweet enough. So you. Yeah. Get I'll tell you what. They, I've been growing at my house the San Marzano tomatoes, and those make a huge difference because they are sweet enough. They're yeah, I made sweet. a I made a sauce with some of those that you gave me, uh, uh, just a simple pomodoro with the capellini, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was really really good actually. It's it, the tomato makes all the difference. I think the key is actually the ratio of fresh tomatoes to canned tomatoes because a a completely fresh sauce doesn't have the right consistency, texture, or you got to cook it for longer. Yeah, I'm going to let you on on a secret. But it's the fact that the tomatoes, like Biancos, you can buy Chris Biancos they're tomatoes ripe. in a can, and they're just whole tomatoes in the can. They've been sitting there in their own juices and oil for who knows how long. Also, it's they were picked that, ripe, though. Yeah, I think a lot of them are at least blanched or like pre pre cooked slightly to to preserve them. So that's that's part of it as well. But I'm going to let you in on a secret. If you want, if you're just going to use canned tomatoes and you want it to taste fresh, buy like a box of those um, grape tomatoes or cherry tomatoes and just put them in the blender. You need like, 
a cup of them and they they make it taste fresh and they add a sweetness and they, there's like a lot more flavor packed into those little tomatoes even though they're kind of annoying to chop up you just throw them in the blender or processor well, i tell you the one of the best pizzas was one that i made <laughs> um, my i have a very high um esteem when it comes to not making the ingredients for the pizza, but just assembling the <laughs> ingredients that Danny and Joey make. But the best one was uh, actually just no sauce using Joey's heirloom tomatoes. The Joey as in Johnny. Hillbilly. Yeah, um, Johnny's homegrown tomatoes and then cheese. The taste of those on their own cooked. Yeah. Although when we're making pizza, it's like definitely that. better to call them Joey. Yeah, Joey's. <laughs> yeah. My favorite one I made was uh, the, it was more like a flatbread. It was like a, it was the yellow bell peppers, which had been white balsamic'd, you know, and then some goat cheese and stuff. Maybe a bit of pesto. I can't remember. Uh, basically, you guys should watch um, Bus Call and listen to the podcast and download our music. Otherwise, <laughs> we're going to be opening up a pizza restaurant uh, pretty soon. That doesn't sound like a threat. Yeah, People would be like, like fuck that. that. Yeah, I'd rather eat pizza than listen to music. Um I, uh, on my front, my pizza was the best. The, I've been into the New York style lately where you uh, get the, the grease right on top and you've got to salt the cheese because a lot of that mozzarella is just not salty enough, so you salt it and dump a lot of oregano on and make sure that the oregano kind of burns, and that's my secret. Well, that's the next step is actually we're going to you know make make the mozzarella or Danny's going to make the mozzarella because... It's, it's, very, it's not easy. It's not like I don't think it's easy, but it's... It's got to be worth it because the one thing I can say about Bianco, Chris Bianco, I mean, there's a guy in Phoenix who makes pizzas. Uh, he's kind of international, not internationally, maybe internationally, nationally known as one of the best pizza um, places in the state or in the country. And he makes his own fresh mozzarella every day. And that is the one thing that I think he has on us. <laughs> he's, he's, I mean, he's, he's, he is fucking famous. I mean, Oprah named him the best pizza in the world and then now he's uh, uh he's in business with jimmy kimmel and jimmy kimmel literally flies him out for every pizza party that he <laughs> has he had him consult on his oven um well he like, yeah he needs to try our pizza <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> personally i think he's a terrible chef i think we're the best chefs all, all right, right. Well, that, that's consider that a challenge chris bianco <laughs> No, uh, that's well, a, that's our name drop is Chris Bianco and Jimmy Kimmel because when we played Kimmel, we had like thirty seconds to talk to him before we went on stage. We're like, hey, you know, we know because we know not know we like talked to Chris Bianco a few times. Like, you Chris Bianco pizza, cool, yeah, we know him, awesome. <laughs> I still the Rosa is an epic pizza. Uh, if you are ever in Phoenix, go to Pan or Pizzeria Bianco and get uh, the Rosa. It's this. It's an excellent invention of his. All right, well, I hope you're hungry, and uh, tune in on Thursday, September 13th, first episode of Bus Call airing. Uh, it's been a long time in the making. Keep listening to the podcast. We're going to be doing little exclusive things like that music clip we played um, pretty much every episode to incentivize you guys to uh, listen and share and tell your friends about it, because word of mouth is our bread and butter, and bread and butter is our pizza. Pizza. Oh.